Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome, boys and girls, once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast here on the Paddle and Fin Network. As always, it's your boy Armando. Got a great episode for you today. So it's going to be, this is going to be interesting. I got Paul Heels. We're recording this. I don't know when is it today. August 18th, I think. Yeah, Thursday. And this was meant to come out. This was originally meant to come out on Tuesday, the 23rd. But this episode might come out on the 30th. The reason for that is I might be able, looks like I'm scheduled to have an interview with Stian Slora, if I'm pronouncing that right. He won the Hobie B.O., not the Hobie B.O.S., the Hobie Fishing World. He's from Norway. He won the Hobie Fishing Worlds. Um, as you know, he, it was a great tournament, if, if you follow that. Um, and that was in Sweden. So he won it. He got first place. And so we're trying to work with the schedule because, obviously, it's a seven-hour difference. So it looks like Sunday morning. I'm going to get up really early on Sunday morning to record with him. I say that because, you know, if you ever done a podcast, for those that do podcasts, you know, it's always rescheduling going on. So hopefully if we do get that, that's going to be kind of like a last minute thing. We'll upload it and this this episode will come out on the 30th. So depending on where you listen to this, check out my previous episode. Hopefully it's going to be with Stian Sloatas. You can listen about the Hobie Fishing World. If not, go check out the previous episode, even if you haven't listened to it before. Remember, my episode comes out every Tuesday morning, so you can check them out. We have an episode here on the Paddle and Fin Network every day of the week. So awesome stuff. Anyways, today I got Paul Heels. We're going to have interesting subject. Um, and it's going to be one of the questions that Paul Heels does on his Bass and Bruce podcast along with Alex. One of his final questions has always been, where do you invest more money or where should you invest more money? on a rod or on a reel. So I decided we're going to use that as a whole topic for this um, episode. And we'll probably go into other stuff too. I'm sure we'll go down the rabbit hole. But um, 
I want to send the groundworks here because I don't want anybody that's driving right now, dropping off their kids in the morning commute, yelling at your radio, car stereo, getting mad at what we're saying. So a few of the things that I wanted to clarify on this. This is for people that um, uh, are on the budget, right? So ideally, if you have $1,000 to spend on a combo, you know, then you can spend $500 on a rod, $500 on a reel, and this question is not for you then because you can spend as much as you want. So if that's your case, like they say in The Godfather, salute to you, Mr. Don Corleone. Um, but for most of us, you know, uh, there is a budget involved. So where do you spend more money? Where should the meat and potatoes of your um, budget go? On a rod or on a reel? And Paul has his uh, version of it. I have my version of it. It's no really wrong answer. The other thing I wanted to clarify, as most of you know, I'm a sponsor by Douglas. This episode is not about me promoting Douglas rods or anything like that. I don't want you to get those two things mixed up. What we're going to be talking about here, whether it's buying rods or reels, it's whichever brand you want, right? We have our preferences, but we, I'm really here not to promote any products right now. This is just whatever you, if you decide you want to invest more in a rod, than whatever rod you want to buy, right? So I don't want you to think this as a promo episode for for Douglas Rod. By which, by ever, uh, however, uh, give big thanks to Douglas Rod from uh, sponsoring the podcast. You can check out Douglas Rods or uh, DouglasOutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup of LRS X Matrix and award-winning fly fishing rods. Now that we got that promo out of the way, let's focus on the subject. So uh, before I bring the Jabber Hammer Paul Hills. Uh, Quick commercials from Waypoint, and then uh, we'll get this thing started off. Enjoy. Mr. Paul Hills, a.k.a. Jabberhammer. How's it going, buddy? Hello. <laughs> man, it's great. It's great. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure, man. I've been, I was hoping to get you and Alex um, on the podcast, and I thought I would have more time, but find out uh this week that alex just left on his i guess tour is what you call it for the coast guard is it tour uh, or assignment i, I don't know what it's i think so it. I've, I've been calling it a tour uh yeah. but yeah he's he's shoving off out of out of california to to go do his last about i think we're at 64 days uh till he's done and retired and cool. so he's 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 throwing it back to me like we had to do this past spring and I'll be running it with a bunch of guest co-hosts and along with our guests. But yeah, unfortunately he couldn't make it. I know I texted him and he was, he was bummed. He couldn't, but you know, I'll have to do, I'll have to do. And I, and I feel, I really feel bad. It's like, man, if I would have known he had that short time, I would have, uh, because I was planning like, you know, invite him in this week and that, or, you know, I already had, I already have like, the pe- the list of people that I want to call in which week I want to have him staggered on. And it's funny because I keep trying to get Alex Rod, which we which we contact, we which talk to each other on Instagram and and all that to come on the show. But every time that I'm gonna ask him, he comes out on another episode. And I don't never want it to be something like, you know, people list people that listen to Bass and Bruce or listen to Sirius Angler or that be like, oh, I just listened to that episode. So I try to st- you know, spread them out. But every time I want to bring Alex Rod in, he comes up um, 
Um, and he has an episode either with Sirius Angler or with Bass Fishing for Noob or like with you guys with um, with Bass and Bruce. And then I thought, okay, you know what? I'll invite Bass and Bruce, guys, <laughs> Alex. But then you went on the Alex Rod podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, I, ne- I don't like to pack them like that. You know, it's I, – Well, I you know, it's- with us – with us, you don't have to worry about much. I mean, we only got like 10 listeners, and uh, I think oh, most of them are bots. <laughs> but, well, hey, here's the great thing about podcasts, though, and why there are so many, at least in the kayak world, because that's where you and Everything. I play yeah. in, is is because there's always something different to talk about. You know, you're not bringing him on to talk about the last tournament that, you know, that he won, and then there's been five other podcasts with that. That's the great thing about podcasting is you you can have these folks kind of rotating through on the podcast, but it's always different. Now yeah. that's why I love coming on other people's podcasts because we don't you know we get outside of the debauchery, which is bass and bruise, and I get to you know sit back and not not be a, a complete idiot. <laughs> just part time <laughs> no but yeah I, I just like to you know spread out the the guests so it won't you know people won't get fatigued listen to the same people always but anyways um hopefully i'll work something i want alex rod i think he's gonna be in the next few weeks we're gonna meet up and uh nice. record a It'll podcast a time. big fan of what alex rod is doing um but yeah man what's up with you before we dive into everything what's up with you what's new with you Man, not much. I have uh, I have not fished near as much as last year. Matter of fact, I think I I've only been fishing once or twice in like the last five weeks. Uh, I think I'm going. I think I got a tournament that they they switched the lakes up and Saturday, so I might jump into the new lake that they have it on. But man, mostly it's been work out there crushing trash and working, and the kids are finishing up summer still, and one started school, so it's just. Crazy life stuff, man. That's about it. Nothing exciting. Well, I noticed that. I thought, like, maybe he ran out of names. I know you always like to name your bass every time you catch one, at least on <laughs> social media. So, like, maybe he ran out of names. That's why. Well, I did run out of names. I've got some that from the last few times I've been fishing, I recorded. And then, then they are uh, what I would call at this point in time generic names because I just it, – it's it's – it was easy at first, and then I started making a list, and uh, then I'd have to pull my phone. It and it just got, but I hadn't I hadn't been, and when I've gone, I ain't caught that many. You know, it kind of sucks to suck at fishing, but here we are, <laughs> right? Well, anyways, what do you want to spend your money on most, rods or reels? The question that never ends, and I know you've had various. <laughs> Um, response on your podcast with that questions. I wanted to get your thoughts before I give you mine. So let's start just in general, like, you know, in general, what do you think and why? Well, for me, I'm going to spend more on a reel. Mm -hmm. And I just, mainly because most of the rods I've used (laughs) I haven't been expensive rods. So I hadn't used a $500 rod or one of those super expensive rods. Uh, I, I have now, but I, I pr- primarily spend most of my money on a reel. I, I think that uh, longevity of the reel is a big part of that. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not talking about $500 reels either. I, I kind of stay in that $200, $250 range reel. So 
uh, mid to upper uh, class of reel. Yeah. Uh, the longevity of it, you know, they come with better parts. Um, I'm down here in the south, so I, I don't do any saltwater fishing with them. But I'm pretty rough on my equipment. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm beat them and bang them around. I don't take them out and clean them after every trip. So, you know, I, I wanted something that was going to last and I didn't have to fool with. I've also found that they're typically, once you get them dialed in, get used to them, they're typically a little bit easier to set up the cast. And and when it comes to that, they're a little bit, when you change a lure on a reel and, and you got to tighten or loosen the, the tension, I, I just feel like they're they're easier to compensate on lure changes. And cause I don't carry, you know, I carry about five or six rods combos in the boat. And, and so I need those reels where I can make those fine tune adjustments. But yeah, the biggest right. part is I, I like, I like how the durability of them, like I've got a black max and I used it a good bit, but you could just tell a difference in that black max versus, you know, my Corrado. Yeah, no, I uh, and th that part I agree with you. I think uh, a real, a good reel makes a difference on the feel of it. I, I like um, tactical bassing, which I like watching their YouTube videos. And this this episode came out like a year and a half year ago um, on their YouTube channel. But they were talking about you know buying reels, and one of the things that I agree with them is like you want a reel that you forget that you're that that you kind of forget that it's there in the sense mm -hmm. that. You get those smooth, nice reels. And you just cast, and when you're reeling it in, you don't almost don't feel the reel. You know, a cheaper reel, you feel you hear the click, 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 or you feel a little bit of a, you know, tension, uh, or it's just noisy or vibrating or stuff like that. You know, when a good reel is just like you feel it's silky smooth, you you forget that you actually <laughs> kind of you don't feel it. It comes to a point where you even don't feel it. it comes like natural movement. Um, I do prefer a rod. Now, granted, like I said, this is not promoting Douglas rods or anything like that. But obviously, I, I you know, I get sponsored by them, so I don't have to worry about paying for a five hundred dollar <laughs> rod. So keep that in mind. But regardless, before that, before I even got sponsored by Douglas rod, I always thought the rod to me is what I am going to invest. And by that, I mean. Um, if you let's say you have a budget of $250, right? I have I need a combo and I have $250 saved up. Um, it's am I gonna do what is it 125 a uh, real for 125 and a rod for 125? Am I gonna do a real for 200 and a rod for 50 or vice versa? $200 a rod for and a $50 reel. That's what I mean by this, right? So, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I'd rather spend the two hundred dollars on a good rod, and and not as much in the reel. And the reason why I think that is because the reel, his job is you know you cast it and that's it, and then you reel the fish in. What's gonna set the hook properly? Well, assuming you have, you know, assuming all things being equal, right? You 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 have the. Uh, skills to set the hook and know when to set the hook and how hard to set the hook, right? So assuming you have those skills patted down and it's just a question of, you know, your um, your equipment um, matching your performance or your skills. I'd rather have a, a rod because that's what's going to set the hook 
and that's what's gonna keep the fish pinned, right? The reel already did well. I did already part of his job, which is just to like cast it out there. Now it's just a question of reeling it in. But the reel's not gonna determine if that fish is gonna get off or not. And granted, no matter how great of a rod you have, there are times where you're gonna lose fish. A great rod, um, it's gonna minimize that. I think I've always said a great rod that is tuned for what you're using. Because that's another factor. You can buy that $500 crankbait rod. And if you're using it to flip a jig, you're wasting your money. <laughs> that's not right. what it's intended for. You're going to lose fish. And vice well, versa. If you're using a 500 flipping stick and using it as a crankbait, yeah, you're going to lose fish. Because you're not using it for what it's intended to. But if... Well, Armando, we're, we're both kayak anglers, right? We we only have we have a limited amount of space to bring. Not Orlando Nandine. Yeah, sixteen rods. <laughs> Orlando had, you know he, and I seen it. I stayed at the last Hobie BOS that I went with him. Sixteen rods. That's crazy. But that's still less than what the majority of people are having in their boat when they're tournament fishing. They they might have more anglers. Yeah, deck, pro, pro anglers but, may but have. That's more, what I'm saying. But, yeah. but that's where it comes down. I have to have a rod that that does that can do multiple things. Oh yeah, you have a and and so and so within that that reel to me, I you that reel is that reel, and it's there, and I can I can switch it from rod to rod if I need to, but I only have so many combos that come in. I feel more comfortable with the reels. Like I can take I can take a, a Corrado or whatever it is, whatever reel you're using, and I can change and I can have them on different rods, but that reel is the same cast every time. I know I know how that reel is going to cast. I feel it. I have learned that, and and so for me, having those those higher dollar reels, knowing that you know the rods are are not going to be are going to cost less. That's what we'll say. I just feel like having those reels and those reels set up, and, and my reels are mostly the same. Now I have a couple specialty reels for cranking, and uh, obviously I got some spinning reels. But the other reels are the same, and they're set up. They're set up the same for for the lure. So I can I can pick that up, and I can take, um, I don't know, let's say a, a a chatter bait or a spinner bait, and then if I need to, I can put a swim bait on there, and then the casting's not going to be that much different for me. I I still have that feel. And for me, and especially kayak fishing, getting into kayak fishing, being able to have a combo that does multiple things, for me, it was easier to switch lures on a, on a combo and understand that real well enough to be efficient with it. You know, to go from making long casts with it to getting up on the bank and, and flipping or pitching with it. Uh, I, could, I could make that adjustment much easier. And that's a good point. My thought on that is all the more reason why I need a good rod. If my rod is going to be all around rod, if I'm going to do multiple things with one rod, then that's when you really, in my opinion, that's when you really need to invest more in a rod because now you don't have a specialty rod or you do only have one or two specialty rods, but the meat and potatoes of what you're going to be fishing or throwing is going to be on a multi-purpose rod, an all around rod. And to me, that's where I say, okay, that's when you really need a good rod because now um, a good all-around rod, a good make, you know, one of the new designs that are coming out, like um, composites, you know, where it's like, it's not just fiberglass now, or it's not just graphite. It's a mixture. Some of them like come with, you know, like 
uh, a graphite backbone, but with a tip of fiberglass or a mix of it. Those are, I think, those are excel even more as all-around rods. And that, to me, that's the thing. If that that's what's going to keep that fish pinned down. That's what's going to. And another thing is, a good rod, a good rod will give you that sensitivity that can make or break it. You know, if if you're if you're throwing like a broomstick out there and the only time you feel that's a bite is where you either where that fish just annihilates your bait. You're gonna miss a little bit of those, uh, you know, those um, short strikes or those uh, um, kind of defensive, especially when you're doing um, when you're doing uh, what do you call that um, betting, you know, when you're spawning season, where that bass is not gonna really eat it, it's just gonna carry it and drop it off. Then. A reel is not gonna tell you that, but a good rod, which hot, which very sensitive, which is gonna cost you know those rods run from three hundred to five hundred dollars. Heck, even the uh, G Loomis now, it's I think some of them are eight hundred dollars, which is crazy. Those high sensitivity rods, it's like if I can't see it, but I can feel that little nibble, then that that's gonna save me. The reel, all I has to do is reel it in. Now I do agree with you. When you have a high-end reel, it makes it easier to fish. Um, but I think that's more of getting used to. If you get used to, like when I started, I used to do cheap reels. Like when I say cheap reels, I meant reels that were between fifty and a hundred dollars, right? So I got used to them. When I switched, my first expensive reel was the DC Corrado. Um, and for those that are not familiar with DC Corrados that's shimano and dc stands for digital computer i think it is um or digital casting something like that. i can't remember what it stands for but it's it's a microchip computer inside the reel that helps you you know get used to get avoid tangle lines and all that that technology to me was like way ahead of be of my skill set <laughs> i couldn't cast without getting um getting a backlash or bird's nest on my Real and I thought, you know, this is very expensive. Real, why can't I? And going back to what you're saying, I think it's just a question of, yeah, there. Once you get used to them, you can tell the difference. But if you're always throwing around a entry level real, you know, fifty, seventy, maybe eighty dollar real, you get used to it, then it doesn't really matter because you're used to it. Yeah, you, you, it's, it's you don't know what you're missing. You know, like ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. But I always think a good rod is good. It's it's gonna if it's gonna help you with the sensitivity. It's gonna help help you uh, with the parabolic band, parabolic band that's gonna keep that fish pinned, and it's gonna work in different areas. Now there are exceptions, like you mentioned. There are times where I think okay, a reel is probably, and I'll just I'll categorize this this way. There are time there are certain setups that you much rather spend more on a rod than a reel. Then there's other setup which is pretty even. You want to go 50-50. And then there are other setups where you can definitely go with a more expensive reel and settle for a cheaper rod. And you'll probably be better off than vice versa. Right. And so you all right, you touched on that. There's there's that and the, there's another caveat too. And if you're using spinning reels, if you're yeah. using uh, $80, $100 spinning reel and you get a $250 spinning reel, 
you're going to know instantly because I used to use cheap, cheap, like the $30 spinning reels. And then when I stepped up and got some that were, you know, in that $100, $120 range, the drag on those when you're fighting those fish on a drop shot or something like that, the drag is so important with those that you, you see a big difference there. So when the, the, the when we're talking about the reels, you've got two caveats is where you have the spinning gear and that. The other thing that you just said, too, is very important. You know, what kind of fishing are you doing? If you're doing a lot of bottom contact fishing, that rod is super important to feel not only the bite, but the bottom that you're on. You know, you can tell from going from sandy to rocky or muddy to sandy shale, you can start to pick up those nuances. So a lot of that depends. I don't do a ton of bottom contact fishing. I like to sling shit way out there and reel it in. So to me, being able to have casting accuracy and casting distance uh, for, for the moving baits that I'm primarily throwing, I, I'm not as concerned about bottom. I'm not concerned bottom <clears throat> contact at all. And I'm not really concerned about the bite because they're usually eating it, right? I mean, that they, they load up on it. Now, when I'm cranking, you know, I use the Alpha Angler cranking rod and I love it. But before that, I used a $120 rod that is now probably 12, 13, 14 years old, is old Carolina Castaway cranking rod. And that was that was that was a great rod. It cast well, it did great on crankbaits. It was shorter. That's why I went to Alpha Angler and it's got a little more backbone to it. But yeah, when you get into some of that stuff, you can still buy really good rods for a low price, but those reels are gonna matter more. When you're cranking, I use the 5-0, the one reel. And and to me, that's more important in that aspect of it. And then again, when it comes to me just chunking lures out there and reeling them in, I'm not worried about the feel. You know, I can, I can make a rod work. I want to have castability and I want to have accuracy. And dialing those reels in, from my experience, have been a lot easier when I started stepping up into that $200-$250 range reels. Okay, so let me let me stop you right there. We're gonna break it down by techniques, right? Now let, let you already mentioned you started off which which what coincidentally what I want to start off with. So you started off talking about drop shot, right? And you said drop shot, you prefer a reel because of the drag. So now that we got your opinion on drop shot, let me give you mine and then we'll 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 pick another one. So for drop shot. That 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 is the one that not the one time, but the the most absolute time that I'm definitely definitely spending more on a rod, M far more important to me than a reel, and I'll tell you why. And when I started fishing, I started fishing with a drop shot on a uh, on an ugly stick, which <laughs> I mean I'm I'm be honest with you, that's a piece of crap. That thing, first of all. That thing weights. I uh, still have it, and it's a short one, medium, um, medium light. It was. It's heavy. It's heavy as hell, and it's unbalanced. But it only costs like forty dollars, and I used it for drop shot. And I, for the life of me, I wouldn't. I still have it there. I don't even know why I have it thrown away. Now it is durable. Trust me. Um, oh yeah. Ugly, yeah ugly you can't do anything to them damn rods. Yeah. But and I've lost so many fish when I start when I. Started using it. It's unbelievable how many fish I lost. One because it's not sensitive, um, and I couldn't feel those uh, 
finesse type uh, bite. Unless that bass was just backing that drop shot, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna feel it until I actually either saw the line move or actually it was. It just moved enough or or dived down wagon. Okay, now I know that I that I caught something. But it had to be like a pronounced thug or pull. Otherwise, I would not feel it. Second of all, I got I got tired of. You know, 10 casts in, I was like, I'm tired of this. This is heavy and this is unbalanced. I hated it. To me, a rod is far more important be on, on drop shot because I understand what you're saying about the drag. But you can still get a good cheap reel that has a good drag. Now, keep in mind, on a drag, unless you're really hauling in a 10-pounder, a which, granted, it happens. It hasn't happened to me, but not that I know of. At least they have gotten away. Um, that, for the most part, you, you on a drop shot, you're just hauling it two, three, four, five pounders, right? So the drag is to me is not that important. Like it may be, it may be an issue on one bite in a lifetime or two or three, but for the other ninety nine percent of the bites you're gonna get on drop shot, the drag is not. It's not gonna be an issue. Any, any any cheap reel can do that. First of all, second of all, you re don't really have to worry about casting on a reel. Hold on, let me finish. Because it's a drop shot. You, literally, it's drop shot. You drop it. I'm not really casting it a mile with the with the reel. I don't have to worry about you know having a reel that's going to allow me to long cast because it's going to be a short rod. I'm just dropping it in front of me. At best, I am casting it 10, 15 feet ahead of me, which is not. A long cast by any means but on the other hand if i have a great sensitive rod i'm gonna feel first of all i'm gonna feel every nook and cranny of that bottom if you put a tungsten wood drop uh drop shot weight on it or cylinder weight along with that high sensitive rod you're gonna feel everything you're going to feel everything on the bottom. You're going to feel if it's, and you can really tell the difference between, okay, I'm just going through a gravel pit and this is not a bite. And you can tell when it's uh, like, uh, like uh, one of those uh, finesse bites where it's like, excuse me, bite, what I call it. When the fish is not really hungry, it's just annoyed by that, that bait kind of like dangling in front of them. So they have no choice but to bite it. Um, so that to me plays a, a far more important part of it. That that that's where I know I'm going to set the hook. I can, if on a cheap rod that is not sensitive at all, there's going to be times where you don't even know you had a bite on it because the fish is not really feeding on it. It's just like it was just like I said, an excuse me bite. It's not really chumming on it or actively feeding on it. So it, to me, that's a no brainer in my opinion. I just need a good sensitive rod to tell me what's on the bottom and help me kind of like weed out what is the bottom of what is actually a, a, a bite, like a soft bite. But so, so my, my, my spinning rods are, are on the cheaper end for sure. I got, I got my reels are definitely more than my, my rod on that one. When's the last time your ass has used a cheap spinning reel? Because that is that heck no, man, I had these, these well, Shimano's. I tell you, and and they didn't last a season. They oh yeah, no, that Shimano Sidona is piece of crap. I love they, Shimano. It didn't last a season. But here's the other thing too. I, again, I'm I'm fairly damn cheap. I am not a gearhead. I don't buy a lot of I don't buy a lot of a, a lot of tackle. And 
when I started drop shotting, I got I got some uh, tungsten weights. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm get some tungsten weights. You know, I got some better line. I learned how to tie fluoro to, to uh, braid leaders and all this and that. Bo, I've lost so many damn weights drop shotting around here. I said to hell with that, and I started buying lead. <laughs> and I and and on the and talking drop shot, I'm less concerned about what's on the bottom because, as you just said, you know you're you're targeting those fish in a small area, and so it's not like a Texas rig or a Carolina rig or a jig where you're chunking it out there and you got to cover a lot of ground coming back to it. You're coming right there to it, so you're going to be in that stuff. And when you hook that five pounder in 20 foot of water, I mean, that rod is just there to get the lure out to the fish. You got to get that big ass fish up. And to do that, you've got it without breaking your line. And a lot of times you're using six or eight pound test, you know, so you, you've got to have a reel that, that works with you to, to be able to, to work that fish up from those depths. Yeah. But you don't need to spend good fighting. You don't need to spend a hundred. You don't even have to spend a hundred dollars. That's the thing. Spinning reels are more are cheaper, right? So the definition of expensive and and the definition of an expensive reel is very different when we're talking about a spinning reel than than a than a bait casting reel. You know, to me, an expensive expensive bait casting reel is five hundred dollars. You don't need a spinning reel. It's five hundred dollars. I mean, okay. an expensive reel spinning reel to me is one hundred and fifty dollars. That that's an equivalent of a five hundred dollar reel. If you're tournament fishing, reel. if you're tournament fishing, every fish that's on the end of that hook counts until oh, it, it does. doesn't. So so being able to get them fish back to the back to the boat, you know, I well, mean, that's that's the biggest thing on that. But you can do that. I mean, I have one of my spinning reels is the lose the Mac three, which is at most seventy dollars. Um, which again, it's it's to me that's a mid level. Real, real. It's slow. It shouldn't be. It's a mid-level price real. Let's just call it that way. Um, and that does the job fine. Like I've hauled bass on that on that drop shot, and it's done fine. I don't need I don't need a hundred fifty dollar reel to get bass out of a on a drop shot. Now, mind you, again, there may be times where I hook on a ten pounder, and which would have had a better re, uh, maybe I would have <laughs> that case, but. For 99% of the bass. When you lose that 10-pound fish because you couldn't get it in, you're going to be going to buy a $250 spinning reel because you're like, you know what? Paul was right. I lost the the one one in 300 days that I go fishing and get to hook a a 10-pounder, and my reel made me lose it. The only time where I think that's a reel's fault is if the drag is like, if I'm if I'm being spooled completely and I'm down to my then then yeah that yeah that that's the reel's fault. But other than that, I mean really if it's the reel is just cranking it. It's not the rod the rod the parabolic bend on it, the sensitivity of it, that's what's gonna get that hook a higher hookup ratio and got it pinned down. The reel is nothing. The reel is just sitting there waiting for you to, you know. Reel it back in. Any reel. I mean, and again, we're not talking about a $20 reel, a Sepco. Let's let's keep that in purpose. We, you know, we, <laughs> for those out there listening, we're talking about more between mid-level and high-end, right? We, don't please don't think we're talking about a Sepco that you get at Walmart. We're just talking about when I say cheap reels, I mean something like the Lewis Mac 3 or 
which again it's a piece of crap and i love shimano but the shimano sedona that that's that really is a piece of crap <laughs> It's um, a one season. It's a one it, season reel if you fish it a lot. Literally, man. It's it's. <laughs> but even a fluger, uh, not fluger. I keep forgetting fluger. Yes, we got fluger. a fluger, fluger, right? Fluger. Yeah, so we have a town a... here in Austin called Flugerville. And I always get those. So the flugers, <laughs> I love those reels. Beautiful reels. Craftsmanship on those reels are amazing. They look sexy. The wood trims on it. I mean, I love those reels, but they're not that expensive either. You can get that in less than a hundred dollars. And again, you don't. I, to me, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't see myself spending more than a hundred dollars on a spinning reel. Well, I just because it's not. Back, I still come back. The biggest thing that I come back to the the number one reason by long shot, second, and all the other reasons are are so far behind. Really, to me, comes down to durability. And again, because That's I am true. tough on my equipment and I like the durability and, you know, I've been fishing a long time. So I started buying cheap, cheap stuff and they were harder to cast with. But once I got past all that, once I just started fishing with them and using them a lot and uh, used to bank fish a lot and doing all that stuff, it's the durability. I don't have to go buy a new reel, you know, every every year or every two years uh, like i want i want that reel to last and when you buy those higher dollar reels you're going to get a much much more durable uh, much better components in those reels and so that's the number one reason why i say that i mean we can get into like this this would be a three damn hour episode oh, hey, if yeah. we started talking about uh technique specifics because in the grand scheme of things I do believe a rod is more important than a reel when we, if you're talking about certain, if we got into techniques, right. Yeah. But as the general view um, for the way that I fish and uh, what I do, I like that durability aspect of it. You know, um, I, 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 I'm very careful with my stuff, but when I take it out there to fish and it gets dunked into water, obviously it's in the kayak and stuff. So, I just like that durability a lot better on that. No, and I and I completely agree with you. That that is that is unquestionable. A better reel is going to last you better, and it's going to have a better fishing experience. No, once you get used to it. Because, like I said, if you're used to like entry level reels, and all of a sudden you jump into a high end reel, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of backlashes until you actually get it. Find you, but once you do, you don't never want to go back to a cheap reel. But that so, I agree with. Yeah, that I agree with. But and so I, with my with my reels, right. these these bigger or the the nicer reels that I have, I back the brakes completely off. You know, I don't I don't have oh, yeah. the brakes on. I've never been able to do that with with the the cheaper reels. It, it was a, it was a backlash fest. I mean, it was a damn. I was going through more line than I knew what to do with. As I graduated, some nicer stuff casting came became better. I was able to cast farther because I was able to take the brake system off. And be able to feather up my thumb better. It, it's just the components, uh, and depending on where you are. If you're in brackish water, obviously you want something that's going to be a lot more durable. Uh, up up north, you know, I got buddies that that reels that have a lot of plastic in them. They freeze up when they're trying to fish when it's super cold. And obviously, you and I get some of that cold weather. You know, those cheaper reels are more likely to to get ice build up in them and not work. Um, that's that's the biggest thing for me when you ask that question. And, and, you know, while we've talked to people on our podcast about it is to me, it's that durability. I like the durability and I like the, the ease of use once you get used to them. 
No, and and again, like I said, I completely agree with you on that. I guess it's a it's a matter of priorities, right? I prioritize catching fish versus having to spend versus worrying about having, like you said, versus very worrying. Damn, about Armando, you saying I don't catch fish? No, I'm just saying <laughs> I'm worried more about it. Like to me, I'm like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't, and again. I'm kind of being hypocritical in in a certain sense because I don't have to worry about purchasing um, high end reels because of my sponsorship. So yeah, I'll, but our that, that's a disclaimer. But it's a this is a hypocritical question, you know, for all intent purposes, because once you get once you get past that beginner stage of fishing, and once you start uh, doing more technique specific stuff, you're you do start to look at the differences between a rod and a reel and, and where you believe a reel versus a rod is more important or where you believe a rod versus a reel is more important. So, so I think, you know, when you're talking about this, if you come from it, you know, come to it from a beginner standpoint, I, from my experience, it just feel like that, that reel is more important as a beginner. But but this whole this whole conversation, right? It's like the the differences in kayaks. You know, we want to talk yeah. about the differences in kayaks. You know, we could we could go a bunch of different ways with it. But starting off from the folks that I've I've kind of helped teach fish and stuff, they were able to pick up my reels and as a beginner, and they were able to cast them better, quicker, and sooner. And the rod didn't damn matter for the most part. So. You know, I mean, the hypocritical part. Hell yeah, I'm gonna be hypocritical too because I, I, I like I like my cranking stick is is more expensive than the reel on it. Oh yeah, and and, and and you know, I mean, you come there and in my my rod that I use to to throw a Carolina rig, that rod is is twice as expensive as the reel that's on it. So I mean, you know, that's that's how you get into it. But before we even came on, we kind of talked about it from a, or before we started you even led in with that you know this is kind of this isn't the 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 pros we're talking to folks that might have just getting into fishing and stuff like that but yeah we we can be hypocritical all damn night talking about this because we're gonna we're gonna have different views when it comes to different lures yeah and it's it's one of the things and i wanted to touch on that on the on the that was my next one on the cranking as cranking combos right for crankbaits that one, I'll give you my experience. That one to me is 50-50. Like, I, ideally, you want to spend $400 on a, I mean, like $200 on a, I don't know, whatever price you can afford. But you want to go, whatever price you can afford in a combo, go 50-50 on that. And I, and the reason for why is this. A real is, a rod is super important. Super important because a rod is really, having that parabolical bend is really going to help you launch that bait farther. And with crankbaits, especially deep diving crankbaits, the short strikes are not gonna. I mean, short casts are not gonna work. The whole point of it is to have that crankbait stay in its intended depth and travel in its intended depth as you know as much as possible. So a short strike, you know, if you have a deep driving crankbait that's gonna. Um, Cat that it's going to dive down to 20 feet and you're casting it 30 feet, it's only going to stay at 20 feet if it reaches the 20 feet for like <laughs> one feet of travel. You know, no, it's going right. to go up and down. It's going to go down and up and that's it. 
Now, um, you have a better uh, rod, then you can cast it more. Same thing with the reel, though. Um, also, the pair, a great rod, a great crank steep rod is going to give you that parabolical bend because that's going to keep that fish pinned because, as we know, crankbaits are probably the hardest or the easiest fish to lose. Crankbaits and lipless crankbaits, to me, are are my nemesis in the sense that I, I I love them. They're great, but it's the ones that I've probably lose the most more fish on. And that's just the dynamic of it. You know, it's a treble hook. It's yeah. and and so a rod is you want to get you really want to get a good rod. By the same token, you want to get a good reel because you on a cheap reel you're not gonna cast far. So you need a good reel that's gonna really bomb you that country mile cast that's going to really help you get that bait down to where it needs to be the longest for the longest travel time so i think that's 50 50 my uh i remember when i started crankbaits i uh i started with the crank stick by bass pro shop piece of crap don't any <laughs> you have one out there if you listen if you have one out there i'm sorry if you're offended by this if you haven't bought one do not buy a crank stick by Bass Pro Shops. Please go to, I'm not saying go to Douglas, go to whatever rod company you want. Go to G Loomis, go to San Croix, go with you. Alpha ever. Angler Mag Rebound. Alpha Angler you, Mag Rebound. Just get a good cranking. Just spend on a good crank stick. Do not go cheap on those. You are going to regret it. And as far as my um, reel goes, but to be the most underrated reel out there is the Abu Garcia exd it is an amazing reel for cranking bait it is it has a shallow um it has a shallow uh spool but it's a wider spool so you still have a lot of line but because it is more shallow the weight of that line is more spread out so it lets you it gives it's lightweight so that spool is now lightweight it's a hollow spool as well so it's not like the typical um cheap reels out there where the spool is just you know it's a solid piece of plastic that's going to be heavier this is more of a perforated hollow spool which again it's shallow in depth but wider so it gives you that ability to just waste less cast it out you know the weight of the the that spool is what's going to resist that dynamic of you know being of that cast going longer so that's a big deal uh, when it comes to a, a cranking reel. It's and it being lightweight and that 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 spool is the key. The only the only um, and this is kind of across the board with Abu Garcia is their design. I don't know why, especially if you're like me that likes to palm the reel. That side plate, at least on the left hand, if I'm left-handed, um, comes out so easily. I've 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 gone to Abu Garcia says, listen, I lost the slide plate again. And they'll replace it. They have a good customer <laughs> service. And I, if you look at the reviews on Bass Pro Shop for uh, Abu Garcia, the Revo, all the Revo models, you'll see a ton of reviews saying the same thing. The side plate just comes out way too easily. That's a, uh, a design flaw. But the reel itself is one of the best cranking reels out there that is in that $250 range. Talking about losing fish on cranking, 
one of a lot of what I've learned, you know, I I, I grew up cranking, throwing DD twenty twos, you know, in deep water, and that that was one of the ones that would get the deepest at the time. Up until now, where we got a lot more, is is Bailey from Sears Angler talks about the formula, and that's the rod, the reel, the line, the hooks, everything in, in that. So you talk about losing fish. Uh, I use for so I use a Shimano Corrado five to one. I don't, I don't know what numbers and all oh, it is, but it's a f- five to one. And I don't ever have any problems with the plate coming off, but I use, I used to use straight uh, mono and I've gone because I liked, uh, I liked how I liked the stretching. And again, it was another, there's another way that you get a little bit more stretch when you're doing that. I felt like it came through rocks and wood better. I, I just like that mono I'm using a fluoro coated mono now i feel like it casts a lot better it doesn't that mono would kind of get starting to get twisted at times and it doesn't come out clean uh the biggest thing that i've learned with cranking once you get that dialed in are your hooks replacing the hooks on that crankbait almost as much as you would you would you know replace a hook on on a worm or something but even even more actually i keep got like a hundred in my in my my boat if i'm catching I catch two or three catfish, or if I get hung up a couple times, or if a hook just gets bent out a little bit, I, I I replace it right there on the water. I take it off and put a new hook on. When I started doing that, when I started buying good hooks and putting good hooks on there, and I started replacing them more often, I start I I've lost less fish. The fish are staying pinned better, even if it was just one hook in the mouth. Um, you know, deep cranking, especially, you got to have a lot of things working properly. Yeah. To to really be able to fight that fish, and in a kayak, deep cranking is even harder because it's pulling your kayak to yeah. your reeling. <laughs> uh, when you're when you got a fish, you lose a lot more leverage on it. But the hook to me is probably the single most important thing about crankbait fishing for me that I have learned is replacing those hooks fairly often if you catch oh, yeah. you know if i catch four or five fish i'm checking that hook i'm seeing if there's anything bent out on them i'm seeing if they're still sticky and if i don't think they are i change them right there in the in the boat and i throw it right back out yeah i know i've learned that from um rolando landin and on the last tournament i forgot his name is very similar to mine i forgot his last name though armanzano um from central texas like <laughs> funny story he so, which is, I think it's the best thing to do. Like practice, you just keep your old hooks there, you know, because that's the thing. You don't want to lose a crankbait or a jerkbait um, that you just replace for more expensive hooks. So on practice, <laughs> just use the regular hooks in case you get hung up and you you lose the bait, then you don't really lose the hooks, right? That you. So on practice, they, they just use the regular hooks, right? And when it comes to tournament, the day before the tournament, I, I remember Masano, he replaced like, he had like five or ten jerk baits, and he replaced the hooks on every one of them. Which what you should do on for to the night before tournament day. <laughs> he lost the box. Oh, he lost the box with all the oh, jerk baits with all. Oh them. no! That, but yeah. yeah, if you're on a tournament, that's what I would do. It's like yeah, replace the hooks the day the night before if you have time the night before the tournament. Don't replace them at practice because if well, you so, lost that, then you not yeah. not just lost your crank, but you lost the new hooks too. Well, here's how dumb I am. I I'm out fishing and I'm, I'm fishing this square bill. Um, it, it runs a little bit deeper. It runs about five six foot, and 
I, I catch I catch some fish on it, some catfish and blah blah blah. I'm out fun fishing and we, we have a KFL match game and I'm out there and I'm I'm fishing for bigger fish. You know, I'm out I'm that's what I'm I'm that's what I was there for that day. And towards the end of the day, I get one hooked. I did not change the hooks out. And I even told myself, change the hooks out. That morning, change the hooks out. While I'm casting it, half the day, change the hooks out. Nope, didn't do it. I have one. The official was seven pounds, somewhere in seven pound range. Came up, shook, damn crankbait shoots out, flies past my damn head. <laughs> I'm like, and I mean, but but that's a good example. I told myself to do it, and I didn't, and lost that fish. And I can attribute the majority of crankbait fish I've lost from from not, and I didn't believe in the importance of the hooks really until this year, uh, early this year, I started losing some fish, changed out hooks, quit losing fish, but I still, you know, do dumb shit like that. Again, that's why I say that's one of the most, any treble bait, any treble bait, those hooks are so important and keeping them changed out, keeping them fresh. You're going to lose a lot less fish knowing what hook comes on the lure that you buy too. Yeah. Cause some of them are shit. So knowing the hook that comes on that lure. And if it's not a good one, Put a better one on, and that, that's the thing to me. I if jerk baits, crank baits, I'm just, I'm just gonna invest a little bit more and buy a brand that already comes with great hooks, and I'm not gonna replace yeah. them. I just me, but it's a good point. You still sometimes have to replace them once you know if you, especially crank baits where you're just constantly running them through rock piles and mm. banging them. Then yeah, you definitely have to replace them no matter how good they are eventually. So moving on to an, to one that I believe. The real is more important, and that is frog fishing. And uh, and here's why I think it's more important. First of all, you don't need sensitivity on a blow up, right? You 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 can see your bait, you can hear the fish. It's not going to be a subtle bite. It's going to be a huge splash, a lot of noise, and a big thug on on thump on your on your frog. So. On, a, on that type, you just need kind of like a broomstick <laughs> rod, right? Mm -hmm. You need something that has a solid backbone. You just, you, you, it's not going to be fiberglass. It's not, it doesn't have to be comp composite. It could just be straight graphite, solid backbone, which, uh, which is actually cheaper um, because it doesn't have all those, you know, mixtures. It's just a solid, solid um, rod those tend to be more cheaper again because you don't have to have that mixture for that you don't have to worry about the sensitivity the rod design the seat where the real seats that's a lot of thing on uh, one of the one of the characteristics cara, uh, characteristics oh my god i can't speak Get, spit it out spit it out y'all know what i'm saying i'll be like that t-shirt y'all look you know what i'm saying characteristics um, yeah then you know the seat where the real seats on the back of it instead of having foam like most rods it'll just be the backbone of the is of the rod it's going to be the rod so you actually are in contact with the rod not the foam that's another thing that that a lot of people don't notice and i didn't notice it um it's just this a lot of it comes with the seat of the reel where it's it sitting on and how they design it so you can have direct contact instead of just holding the the, the foam 
uh, which obviously is going to impair some of the sensitivity. So going back to that, you don't need a sensitive rod on a on frog fishing. You're going to see the bite. It's going to be plainly obvious. But you are going to need a good reel to with great drag because I'm assuming most of the time when you throw in topwater frog, you are throwing it where frogs would be. Where are frogs going to be? They're going to be in lily pads. They're going to be around stumps and low-hanging branches. or um, yeah. They're you know, going to be in the shit. Yeah. yeah that's where they're going to be. And you now you need a reel that's going to be super high speed if you can. Be, and those, because now the mechanics are different, those generally tend to be more expensive. A high-speed reel is going to be probably more expensive than uh, 5.1. All thing, all else being equal. By that means, same design, just one is faster than the other. That means more components to get it to move faster. So it means more expensive. So in that situation, I totally agree. I would go with a high-end reel and whatever's left off, I'm going to put on whatever you know, heavy or extra heavy rod I can, I can buy with it. What are your thoughts on that setup? Yeah, definitely. Anytime that you're fishing in, in heavy, heavy cover like that, where, you, where that fish is going to get in the lily pads, it's going to get in the grass. I mean, you need to have a good reel that has a good drag on it because that's where uh, you, you got to get that fish up out of there. Cause if you lose any tension on it and you get wrapped up around a, a, a pad or you know in the grass or something you lose that tension and they could shake it so when they hit that you're trying to get them up and and out and so um you know having having a high speed having that good drag where you're gonna get a little bit extra weight on there from the junk you're fishing in yeah you know, I, I i definitely agree with that there's also something to say though about having you know having a good rod too that helps you to to get that initial lift up out of there but again a broomstick broomstick is a broomstick yep. but that that reel really gets that you know you you start to you start to get some speed in on that and you can get that fish up on the top of the junk or if you get them in the junk you can you can reel all of it in at once uh you know when you're punching it's the same thing you're you're going to be in there and you want to be able to you want to try to be able to get that fish up fast and if it gets in the stuff you want to be able to maintain that contact not have your drag slipping because most of the time you're going to have that drag locked down as hard as you can lock it yeah and uh the hook set's important on on that frog and so if that drag slips you know you, you run the risk of not getting a good hook set yeah definitely and then one last technique that that we're going to be talking about and I think that this one to me, and you may not agree with this, but to me, this is where the rod is really in in more probably as much as a drop shot. That's more the rod to me is more important the reel, and that is a jerk bait. And the reason is simple: jerk baits you generally uh, don't do long cast. Um, some people do. I don't like to do too many long casts because you know it's one of those twitch twitch, and if some there's going to be slack in the line, and if that fish is 100 yards away when you're twitching it the twitch you know that far away it's, the twitch is not going to be the same um if the hits it you know by the time you set the hook on it that line you know it's 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 not a you don't need a long cast for so you don't need a high-end reel to make a long cast with a jerk but you just need to throw it out there maybe uh you know a few meters in front of you and then that's where you work it 
the the action of the joke. Uh, so this Armando, Armando, your your listener, your listenership don't know what the hell a meter is. We <laughs> this is a this is the U.S. You got talking yards, man. Well, I don't, I don't know. Let me explain something to you before you insult my <laughs> listeners. My listeners wouldn't be caught dead listening to Baz and Bruce. All right? I, me- I, I, hell, I know. I don't even listen to that shitty podcast. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. But, uh, uh, I don't know. How, I, mean, I mean, three feet, right? Three, three something feet. 3.3 feet. Like, yeah, whatever you want to call it. 30 feet. All right, okay. So 30 feet, right? You don't need to... Uh, send it to that's probably a little bit long for for jerk bait. but anyways going back to the point what's going to do the work on that one is that movement of the jerk bait. so really the rod is going to do like 90% of the work here it's going to be the one that's you know every time you twitch 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 you got to have a soft tip rod soft tip rods again are going to be more expensive because they have to design specifically for jerk baits the ones that are good the high end ones I'm talking about and they're going to give that more uh, better action of it where again, as a reel, it's not a long cast. You really don't have to worry about fighting a, a bringing down a fish from like 40, 50 yards. It's just going to be a close quarter action. Reel just has to do a job. Again, like you said, you know, it, it has to be good enough to have a good drag and, and do its job, but it doesn't have to be, it really doesn't have to be a, a $500 DC Corrado reel or Dio reel. It's just any reel, again, because you're not doing long casts. And the fact that the the rod tip is what's going to give that action to me, to me, that's a no-brainer. A, a, read, a rod is more important than reel, in my opinion. Yeah, I so I do cast long when when I throw a jerk bait. I, again, I, I, I pretty much, if if I'm not fishing the bank, I'm slinging the hell out of everything I'm fishing. Even when I am fishing the bank, I'll parallel. I still want to sling it far. You know, I don't, I talked about being accurate earlier, but I ain't really, I'm not an accurate kind of caster in the close quarters stuff. I like to sling mine, but uh, I, I mean, I do agree with you on that, that that, that have, being able to work that jerk bait with, with short twitches, if that's, you know, if it's a winter time or cold, cold, uh, weather fishing, you know, you don't need big sweeps or big jerks on that. You're you're really working it um, a, a lot slower, a lot lot shorter uh, twitches of the rod. Um, but yeah, I mean that that technique is one that where a good rod comes into play. And and uh, but for that, for me, my my counter argument that that is is you can have a a decent hundred dollar jerk bait rod and you can learn how to work it and you can still, you can still make that work. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's one where, you know, that's one where I think what you said earlier about the 50, 50, I mean, I think that's just one where you just, you got to get comfortable with the gear that you're using in that yeah. technique. And that's, that's again, comes to a lot of these technique specific things is how comfortable you are because uh, there are anglers that are using the wrong rod yeah, for that lure, and they're out there catching fish left and right. But that's what they grew up on. That's what they got used to. That's what they're comfortable with. Uh, maybe how they set the hook or how they fight the fish dictates what rod is better for them. So, uh, with this whole conversation, it really comes down to what you're comfortable with. 
obviously you don't want to be fishing a frog with a crankbait rod. I mean, maybe somebody does out there. I don't know, but I, I, I wouldn't. No. And then you don't want to be out there throwing a crankbait, deep down crankbait on a, on a damn frog rod. Um, you know, you just, you'll wear yourself out first of all, but it's what you get comfortable with. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is you're trying different stuff. And if you go fishing with somebody that's got higher end gear, try it because you don't know what you don't know. Just don't get a bird. Don't piss him off. He won't be your friend. Any, he or she won't be your friend anymore. Well, you need to know how. I to lost get that friends like bird. that when I started. Well, let me you, try to break guys. Oh, never mind. Here you yeah, go. But, uh, but see, you that's that's a back. great learning experience of getting those bird nests out because most people get a bird nest, they look at it and they're like, oh shit, damn it, you know, they they over there flopping, flying around, and then first thing they do is start trying to pick it out. Again, I like to sling stuff. I mean, I cast, I cast like I'm I'm throwing it a mile. And I still get them. But the first thing thing I do is I I crank my drag all the way down. I put my thumb on the spool and I just start and I put enough pressure on there that that it's hard to turn the spool. And I and I give it three or four turns and then I start peeling line out. And when I get when it hits another hang up, I look in there. Is it one little piece I can lift up and pull out? Or do I need to engage the reel, put my thumb on the spool and put it there tight enough and that when I'm reeling, it's hard to reel, give it three or four more reels and then start peeling out. And and sometimes it might take three or four minutes to get it. But I can't tell you the last time I got a bird's nest so bad that I just put the reel up and was like the hell with it. Every now and again on braid, <laughs> every now and again on braid, but outside of that, learning how to get that bird's nest out quickly and, and without picking your picking your because you get to start picking that line, you know, you've got fingernails or some people, you know, you could you could mess up. But that that's just something that I have learned. I can't even remember where I learned it. I learned it watching a YouTube video I, years ago. I think it was but, I think I know what video is it tactical bassing? I think it was I want to say tactical. No, bassing. it was it was before yeah. I even this was back in like twenty fourteen or something. I saw that. It was, dude, this was like eight years ago. I can't remember what the hell I did this morning. But um <laughs> But you know, yeah. But if you do have an opportunity to use high end gear or high end rods and stuff, use it because you might be holy shit, I'm going to buy one of these today. Um, and that's what's happened to me is I have used some buddies that have hex, you know, some expensive rods and, and I liked them. I didn't necessarily go buy those, but I did upgrade some rods because I I did feel like that there was an advantage to it. And you know, I'm not a professional angler by nowhere close but i do like to compete in my local tournaments and so any little advantage i feel like i can give myself to hook that fish and get that fish to the boat you know i want to i want to invest in that opportunity you know and you mentioned something um about casting because i and again i don't mean to sound like i'm talking down to you or trying to teach you or being Teach me. No, Armando, I am teachable. I want to learn. No, but I don't want to sound like here, like, you know, we, we, if this is a private conversation, we'll be on things, but obviously there are people listening to podcasts and I don't want to come out as all, <laughs> you know, I'm better than you and I'm going to teach you something. It's not, no, that. you know, I, no, I, consider you, I consider you either equal or greater angler than I am. So having said just, that, just say it, just say it, man. That, it ain't going to hurt my feelings. I might learn something, damn it. I, I'm like, I was, in a lot of ways like you, I started off like 
being a manly man and just bombing, casting out there and, you know, being a power fishing and all that. And I've recently learned, and I think this year's where I've really, really seen the benefits of toning it down and doing short casts. There is a time and a place. Like if you're on a clear water lake and, you know, you're throwing a crankbait, you know, fish can see you from a mile away. Yes, definitely. I will bomb cast it. I was just fishing at uh, Lake Jackson. Uh, Jacksboro, helping uh, Jeremy McCormick fish on a tournament. We were pre-fishing it, super clear water. So I was, yeah, no, I'm, I need to bomb cast this because fish are going to see me. But, and I caught a few that way. But I think once you get to that point where you realize you don't have to bomb cast it every time, you, that that's going to be like epiphany. To, to me, that was an epiphany because that was – I've, I've learned that in a video, and I kind of have kind of ashamed to say it because I should have learned this a long time ago. But I watched a video not that long ago that really breaks down how and, and props to whoever made this video. I can't remember who it is because I don't think a lot of people talk about this, and it's the I think it's one of the biggest mistakes for new anglers. They feel like they need to bomb it out because the fish are going to see you. Blah blah blah. When you get to a spot, you 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 know whether in a bank or or um, you know fishing a offshore point and all that. A lot of times, the the tendency is to bomb it out, right? You cast the the lat the worst thing that could possibly happen to you, especially when you're frog fishing and you're bomb casting it on vegetation. The worst thing that could happen to you is that you get a bite at the fall and here's why once you get that bite on the fall now you have to bring that bait bait in that bass in let's say you bomb cast it for like meters yards hundreds of feet whatever you want to call it and you caught you cast it over a school of bass right you don't know it because you can't see it because you bomb cast it's not on you it's not on your fish finder or you don't have this high tech forward facing whatever you bomb casted it landed past it you cut one of the bass there on the back well guess what now you bring that bass in you're you're spooking the whole a school of bass now you've completely changed the dynamic of that school of bass they may be maybe they were feeding or chasing a, a chad or maybe they were just stationary now they're spread out. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They see all this commotion. And I've learned that, that is short casts, you know, long casts have their place. Like we mentioned, crankbaits, deep tribe crankbaits and all that, clear lakes, all that. But short casts will get you, uh, could get you a lot further. The worst thing that could happen is actually catching the bass and then spooking all the 30 fish. I remember one guy I was watching this video uh, from the Bassmaster Elite, and he was saying, I see this pile uh, of uh, debris, and I, I think it was just a uh, falling down tree, right? So he says, I expect to have five or six bass right here, standing, posting right here within those uh, fallen branches or trees. If I come out with one of them, I failed. He says, the reason why a lot of time anglers come out is like they see that let me get it. Let me skip it. Let me do the skip that I always, the dream skip that it's going to cool, look cool on videos and skip it right at the end, right at the deepest part of it. And you happen to catch one. Well, guess what? On the front end of that, 
five feet away from you, there was a bunch of bass just hanging out at the edge, not all the way down, that are no longer going to bite your bait because you spooked the heck out of him trying to haul that bass that is now tangled. Or even worse, you didn't catch anything, but you got it snag on that bottom of the trunk. And now you have to go get it or you have to break off. Now you spooked everybody. Now either best case scenario, you got one. Worst case scenario, you lost your bait. But either ways, you should have come out with at least four or five bass instead of one. And so I would make a case. And, and it worked for me. Like Lake Jacksboro. Again, God, my English is horrible today. Well, every day. Um, <laughs> I was doing those long casts. But then when I saw Standing Timber... Two years ago, I would have bomb cast a crankbait, and sometimes I'll still do. But at the beginning, I will see, okay, I see timber, I'm going to bomb cast, and I'm going to bang it along the timber lines, right? And maybe catch one. Now my approach has been, I'm just going to flip into those trunks. Just going to flip into them, let it lay, let it get to the bottom, and I'm going to be short quarters, very personal with this timber, right? And then if that doesn't work, then I'll go to the like long cast and spread out and see if I can cast. Maybe they're farther away uh, and maybe they're more reactive to a crankbait. And I've noticed that I've caught a lot more fish now than I've used to before. I can't always say it's because of that, but I think that's played a lot in my growth as an angler. I know I've been for way too much longer than I should have on that. I 100% agree with you, but what you're talking about is experience. It has nothing to do with the cast. This experience. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is learned, Yeah, is what you've learned is when you come up to a laydown or you come up the stumps, you start working the outer edge uh, of that of that cover, and you work in. You don't you don't work from the bank out. You start to work yeah. that cover from the deepest point, and you you work into the bank. So that way you're not you're not spooking those fish. So I mean that you, what you just said is great information too, right? That's something you just said you learned, and we're taught. And so yeah, there's 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 a case for that. Um, again, it comes down to what you're fishing too. Like you can only throw yeah. that damn drop shot so far. Obviously, yeah. you got to be closer on that. But the, specifically, what you're talking about is is fishing experience. You know yeah. that knowledge, fishing knowledge is well. When I come up to this laydown, I don't need to throw it all the way, skip it all the way back to the back in the, in the junk. I need to start working from the outside, working in. That's an experience thing. But being able to have the gear to, to skip it all the way back at some point or to bomb it past, past those, uh, the standing timber and work it back, you know, that's, that's the other part about it. That's, that's great information because you see it a lot. You see it. People just come up to that tree and they start throwing it up to the bank and running it through and getting it hung up and shaking the damn tree. And <laughs> you're right. All your stuff's gone. There might be four or five fish in there and uh, you, you've wrecked it by, by doing it that way. Yeah. Even chatterbaits. I used to bomb cast chatterbaits. Now I don't anymore. And again, there's times where I do, but for the most part, I just start off with short casts, like 10, yeah. 15 feet. And it, come, and it comes. It comes the scenario that you're in too. You know, my my main lake here, Sharon Harris. Um, we've got we've got some laydowns, uh, but but for the most part, especially in the summer, we're all fishing offshore. It, it and by offshore, I mean it might be five feet of water, but it is 300 yards to the bank. So 
you know, we're trying to cover a lot of ground in this, in, in a lot of these areas on these offshore fish. And when we're throwing those moving baits, you know, I, I want to cover a lot of ground. So I'm throwing it far because I want to, I want to work it. I want to be as, as deep as I can and cast it as far in as I can. Just, it's just covering more water, right? Yeah. You think about covering more water. So uh, that's the thing when it comes into long casting, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. There are times, there are times where you need to, you need to have that accuracy and you need to be able to skip and you need to be able to flip in. So uh, it's just a fishing experience comes to know that scenario and how to work that piece of cover. So basically it's for my listeners. Don't do what Paul does. Just do what I do or what I told you. <laughs> look, it, look, <laughs> y'all can, y'all can go look. I, at, I have to at, cleanse my go, podcast now of this bass. And yeah. Boots, y'all have to go listen. Y'all have to go look at the social media and you can see who catches more fish and bigger fish. And who's actually done shit? In I live in Texas. That ain't me. <laughs> I live in Texas. That's not fair. I'm sure if you live in Texas, you catch bigger fish than me. Hey, I've caught some big fish. I got an eight pounder earlier this year. I caught uh, I caught one at a tournament um, like six weeks ago. About the last time I've been fishing, it was uh, what was it? Twenty two and a half, I think. I don't know. It's a big fish, but it it was that poor that poor fish. She was so skinny. She weighed like five nine, I think, like twenty two inches. She wore out old Sal. Matter of fact, I had to videotape it. She had a bum left eye, and so when you lay those fish on the on, on your on your board to measure it, it's the left eye that's up. So I had a bum left eye, and I was like, man, I got to make sure I get a release of this fish just in case somebody says something. Bo, I'm in the middle of the lake. I'm in my kayak, and the fish is she ain't she ain't working too good. So I'm, I end up having to lay down in my kayak, trying to work the fish without tipping over into waves. And I'm laid down. My fat ass is laid down in my hobie like seven minutes. I videotaped every second of it until she swam off. <laughs> that, that that's funny. Fish, she, was a, she was long. She's a good kayak fish. That's funny because that, that is pretty much what happened. That's my same story for my PB. I was fishing... Um, Ray Roberts and I mm. went deep ledge fishing with that one in a one and one quarter ounce jackhammer because I was like there it was hot summer day so I was like they gotta be very deep into those ledges so I would just cast it out there let it drop and that's another tip if I've recently gotten away from the deep diving crankbaits and gone with the jackhammers the big heavy ones because they can go all the way to the bottom and I don't have mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about just ang- being anchored to that deep diving crankbait where it feels like the crankbait stays here and this is my kayak moving towards you. <laughs> right. So that's another good tip. Right. If, if, if you if you're out there and you need feel like you need to catch those deep bass, check out that jackhammer. It's one and a quarter um ounce and I it was a black and blue. So I caught this big fish and thankfully the eye that was messed up, like his whole right side of his face was just eaten by some infection or bacteria. Like it was, it was disgusting. It was like his eyes, you couldn't, rec- you couldn't, you couldn't see where the eyes started and the gill plate ended. It was like, it was just a big ball of like, it was, I don't even want to describe it. It was disgusting. So, I, I so gagged. You didn't kiss that one goodbye no, when you let it go. I, I was gagging <laughs> when I brought it. I was like, and I'm like, thank God it was on the because I'm putting it on the board. You know, I want to show off my personal B, my personal B, my personal best. Uh, that's that came out completely wrong. Um, 
I'm trying to show off my personal best. And I was like, if this would have been on this left side, I don't know what I've done because it's like I'm I I couldn't even bring myself to look at it. I really wanted <laughs> I would just gag every time I looked at it. And it was like that thing was almost it was more dead than it was alive. And I was pre-fishing for a tournament a week before. I'm like, I don't think this fish is gonna make it to next week. So there's no point in coming back here to try to catch it. Like and I had to put it down and um, it took a while to revive, and it was skinny. Yeah. It was. I was like, "Damn, that is." That's how I found out that's a good bait because that fish was blind as a bat yeah. from one side of his fin and still caught that jackhammer. <laughs> hey, that's the only reason I caught that damn fish because my lure must come across that left eye yeah. when she was blind. But she was all scarred up. I mean, she was an old fish. I, I, you know, if we could figure out how old they are, she, she was beat up. She was an old sow, that was for sure. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was a good, but I, yeah, I've caught some big fish this year. Not as I've caught the bigger fish have been bigger this year. I just hadn't caught as many. I hadn't been as much. I, I probably went fishing twice as much last year as I did this year. But this year I was more efficient because I was better in the kayak. I was more comfortable. Uh, I had upgraded my gear. I had actually started doing some more finesse fishing instead of being, you know, stupid and going out there and doing, you know, doing stuff that I wasn't catching fish with. So. Uh, I was I've been more efficient when I've gone out and fished. That's awesome, man. Well, Jabber Hammer, aka Paul Hills, or vice versa. Thank you for coming <laughs> to the show, man. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I know I had you for more than an hour here. So like always, I like to give my guests a couple of minutes to thank their, you know, sponsors or people that make your fishing experience better. So floor is yours, my friend. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh first is Hookset Hoodlums Apparel Company. Great family, great apparel. You know, they have summer, spring. They're all up in, in the in the New England area, so they got some good winter gear out. Check them out and you use code HEELS10. Uh, the only sponsors I have are a couple local. Uh, Bolt Lighting here, they do landscape lighting and, and stuff here in the local area. And then I, I got Heartland Home Exteriors do roofing and siding. Um I, if anybody in North Carolina in the Raleigh area is listening, y'all give them a call. And actually, the Heartland uh, Home Exteriors guy is a good buddy of mine that I actually fish with a lot. He's got a real boat, and when it's 100 degrees out here, I'd much rather go hop on his boat and fish than pedal my kayak for four hours. So I hop out with him. Outside of that, that's it. Check out Bass and Brews podcast. Uh, we Don't check we put out. it out. <laughs> it, look, I, I will go ahead. I will go ahead and say it is not safe for work or anyone under the age of twenty-five. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's. 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 You know. So we have a good time. If you haven't listened to it, it's just us sitting around. It's not really, but this is how I describe it. We're sitting around a campfire, drinking. You know, drinking drinks, having a good time, talking shit, talking fishing. Uh, that's what it is. It's a good time. Armando, thank you for having me on again. My man. pleasure, yeah, I man. love your podcast. I listen to it every week. I'm I'm, I'm super duper excited when I get to come on. You know, you and I talk back and text back and forth every now and again. And it's always great to come on these podcasts. I, I love coming on the podcast. I love to talk. Um, Bass and Bruce is long form. If you listen to it, you'll realize it's about two and a half hours on average. I love coming on these podcasts. And I really, really am grateful for the opportunity to come on podcasts that one are good. And those that are, are big and have an opportunity to come out here, you know, it helps us grow ours. And so, you know, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. 
Oh, my pleasure, man. And uh, if all jokes aside, go listen to the Bass and Brews. Um, and I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning for Alex. You know, thank you, uh, serving and protecting the coast. He's, he's in the Coast Guard, right? I got yes, that. Right. I got told. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Alex, if you're listening, thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it. We love to see you. Congratulations when you do, when you retire. We should definitely, or Bass and Bruce should definitely held or hold a um, a retirement podcast party. Bring everybody <laughs> well, in, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure we will have something probably live um, when he gets back and he is done. When he is back home in New Jersey with some good internet instead of the Motel Six crap that we've had to deal with the last three months. Well, I love his reels on on uh, TikTok. So yeah, Alex, yeah. you did a great job, man. So we kept us entertaining. Please come back, save Bass and Bruce from <laughs> debauchery yeah, that's yeah. going on right now. Bring that class back, Alex. But anyways, for those out there listening, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you made it this far, please check out our sponsor, Douglas Outdoors. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup of LRX, X-Matrix. If you're going to be on the water, wear your PFDs, number one. Number two, if yes. you're going to have a couple of beers, please take responsibly. Make sure you make it back home to your loved one. Thank you again, everyone. Last words, Stammer Hammer. Hello. Listen, y'all. Peace. <laughs> Later.